the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Is the new generation of talk radio in the Bay Area. This is KNEW AM and HD, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. Now, your money, your life. It's Rob Black. So his question was, should Go Bonds build America? Not Go Bonds. Go Bonds are general obligation bonds. But should Build America bonds be part of a portfolio? Yeah, but they're going to be on the lower yield of your income portfolio. So you can mix that with a high yield and then suddenly you get a better blended rate of return that adds a little bit of safety to the United States government to the craziness of high-yield leveraged debt. So let's get a phone call. Let's get a Mark and Mill. Peter, Mark, how are you? Hey, uh, question. I'm with the, the STIRS as a teacher, and I just uh, passing by somebody, and they're talking about a GLIB or a GLIR account, G-L-I-R. Do you know what those are? Guaranteed something? Um, yeah, and um, thanks for the call. Uh, teachers are represented with their pensions, Something called CalSTRS. It's the California Teachers Pension Association is the basic idea. It's it's how you get your pension money in retirement. You work 30 years, you get 60% of your salary. That's the basic idea. Now, on top of it, you have investment choices in your 403B. Um, I would be cautious and say do not go with annuities. A lot of the decisions that teachers make with their 403B, which is separate from their pension, it's a lot like a 401k for a corporation. Um, a lot of the choices that they make are tied towards, you know, should I buy this mutual fund? Should I buy this annuity? And a lot of times you're getting really bad advice because as a teacher, you're getting your advice in the lunchroom. You've got 30, 40 minutes and someone says, hey, I'm bringing in free pizza. And you go, free pizza? Cool. And then while you're eating the free pizza, they're saying, hey, go buy this annuity. So you got to be careful um, with anything that you sign up for in the conditions that you sign up for them. Um, so be very, very careful. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to John and Campbell. Hey, John. Hey, Rob. Uh, I had a question actually for the uh, cloud computing. Uh, I'm wondering about privacy there. Like uh, what if you and I are clients of his and some music company finds out that you've been pirating music and then, uh, and you know, then they want to, to the cloud computing company to find out, well, we think a lot of their clients pirate music, and we want to, you know, go in and, and uh, open it up and look at everybody's accounts. I'm just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as secure to me, not like I want to pirate music, but just overall. And if we can't talk about that because the guy is gone, I'd like to talk about Dodge and Cox Fund, D-O-D-G-X, <laughs> either one. Okay. You kind of threw me for a little bit of a twist there. Which Dodge, which Dodge and Cox Fund? Uh, I, I just bought D O D G X, um, and it costs, it costs 75 bucks to buy it though. 
when I bought it, which was kind of shocking, but I did it anyway. Um, I, I guess that's just a, I don't know, they figure they're a high-end fund. And it, it's done pretty good for me. What I'll do is I'll take a look at it during the break, and when I come back after break, I'll, I'll get you a good opinion on it. So thanks for the call. Um, it's When you throw curveballs, I just don't have time to pull up the data. And, it just kills the show. Dodge and Cox stock fund. Um, okay, it's ticker symbol DODGX. DODGX. First and foremost, one of the things I'm going to look for is costs. You can pick hundreds of mutual funds that will get you to retirement. Hundreds. And sometimes the only difference is how much does it cost? And you spent 75 bucks on it. Um, so I'm always going to look at cost first and foremost. Um, you probably got charged a front-end sales load. And what you got was an S&P 500 type of fund geared towards value. I think you could have done better with a big cap value fund. I don't think you needed this. Um, It's nice. It's got HP and Schlumberger and Comcast and GE and Wells Fargo and Motorola and Capital One. But the the, the front end load cost is what bothers me. So I'm going to say pass on buying any more with any new money. Now that you've got it, you've already paid the, the fees. You've already done the damage. And keep in mind that that now check marks your large cap value. Go out and get some large cap growth, some small cap growth, some small cap value, some inter, uh, mid cap growth, some mid cap value, and some international as well as some income in there. Now, large cap value tends to give you a decent little income. It's little though, eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Raj in Fremont. Raj, uh, big fan. Actually, I have a question. I am twenty eight and I've uh, never made any sizable investment in my life, except I've always saved money and put it in the bank, and uh, the only other investment I made was buy a house that I'm regretting now. But uh, I have uh, zero knowledge in investments, and I have around 75 to 80K in savings that I would like to invest. So what investment tips could you give me, or what uh, book could I read, or what do I do? Um, Yeah, if if I were brand new to this, and what I typically tell people is take your time, um, especially when you're under the age of 30. There's a great book called The New Rules About Money by Rick Edelman. The New Rules About Money by Rick Edelman. I don't get a commission off that. I should. I've got a book out there. You can go to Amazon.com and search Rob Black. My book's good. His book's better. So, And I, I could rightfully admit that. Um, so The New Rules About Money by Rick Edelman. And it just basically covers insurance and investing and buying cars and when should you lease and when should you buy. It's all the basics, and the chapters are three pages long. So I call it a toilet reader. Put it in your bathroom. Don't put it in your bedroom. Bedroom is for sexy time. Bedroom is for the wife. Bedroom is not for money and financial, uh, you know, content, in my opinion. So uh, read a chapter every poop. Um, you could probably, you know, spend an extra two, three minutes on the toilet and you'll get educated. And 30 to 40 poops in, you'll you'll have a financial education that, that equals what it should be. Um, so the new rules about money by Rick Edelman is what I would throw out there. Let's go to a phone call. Let's go to Rick and Martinez. Rick? How you doing? Good. Thanks for the call, Rick. Hey, is fifty-one too old to call in? No, you're 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 right on the edge. You got about four more years, and then off to the wood chipper with you. I'm in pretty good shape, so I don't know. But anyway, hey, about that four hundred three B, the annuities that are sold to teachers. Unfortunately, my wife bought one fifteen years ago, and it's the. Uh, I don't know who, but the, I think Sturz sends these salesmen to the schools, and that's all they advocate yeah. is annuity, annuity. So what I'm going to do is get out of the variable MetLife annuity that she has and just throw it into her 403B and then pick stocks with Fidelity. 
I mean, uh, funds. Okay. All right. Well, hey, keep drinking good beer and you take care. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for the call, Rick. And I do not recommend getting out of the annuity until you find out what the surrender fees and costs are. Um, someone called in earlier and they said, I saw Gleb. I saw Gleb. What's Gleb mean? And Gleb means guaranteed living benefits within variable annuities. They've evolved from being an ancillary benefit to a rather boring investment product. And they're very, very expensive. And teachers already have that pension that guarantees 60% of their salary. So why go out and get an annuity, which is incredibly safe and incredibly secure and incredibly cost-driven? Remember the earlier call where I was saying Dodge and Cox? It's a large cap value fund. It's okay, but it's expensive. So it's like, I don't want you driving Chevette's for your investments. I don't. I want you to get into exchange-traded funds and mutual funds offered at Fidelity and Vanguard. Those are great companies, and they're very low cost. And Dodge and Cox is nice, but it's expensive. It's kind of like you got a BMW. A drive to L.A. in a BMW is probably going to feel a little bit nicer than a drive in W. A drive to L.A. in a, you know, a, a regular sedan. So, but same thing with, you know, if it's going to cost you twice as much, then you got less money in retirement. You got less money in L.A., so to speak. Let's go to Dennis in Menlo Park. Dennis? Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going well. Um, I just want to let you know the reason that not that many people call in or when you say, oh, nobody's calling in, it's because you're so good on the radio. We just want to listen to you. You know what's funny is my boss hates it when I say there's no one calling in. And then when I said no one's calling in, we got eight calls. Exactly. I had to wait for a long time. Here I am. Anyway, um, you called anyway, just to say that. I didn't, actually. I called to... <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. No, I called, actually, to uh, find out when I can go drinking with you. Where do you live? Uh, I live in San Francisco. I'm going to be doing a beer event. Heidi's putting it together. It's called Beer with Black. It's not very catchy, is it? No, um, not at all. But it looks Sounds like... kind of gross, actually. Yeah, I know. Um, blackhead beer or something like that. <laughs> Um, it looks around like early March. We're going to do something that's just going to be very casual, and uh, let's hang out and get to put some faces to the names and the callers, so to speak. Mary's not invited. Uh, she's a blogger. She's not invited, but everyone else is invited. And um, <laughs> Thursday, I'm going to be in Palo Alto at Nola's with my good friend uh, Joe Cannon, San Jose Quake Earth uh, Goaltender. That's a little far away, but um, I'll wait for March to keep us posted. Dennis, have you ever been to Nola's? Have I what? Have you ever been to Nola's? Nola's? In where? Nola's in Palo Alto? No, no, no. I don't go to Palo Alto too often. It's pretty swanky. You should try to get out. So. All right. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639. Let's get to Matt in Napa. Matt? Hey, Rob. Good to talk to you. It's good to be talked to, I think. Um, I have a pretty dry question, but um, it's about the basics of bonds. Um, because I'll hear things like, you know, this bond is yielding whatever small percentage, um, but there are coupon payments and to me, naturally, I would hear, okay, a coupon payment, you know, that income versus the cost is what it yields. So but how does yield work compared to coupon payments and car values and all that? Yeah, and thanks for the call. And again, I would recommend educating yourself kind of slowly on the stuff. The good book, uh, The New Rules About Money, will explain everything that you need to know about that. As far as bonds is, bonds provide a steady rate of income. When I say you can go out and own a stock, you can own Comcast and, like, you pay your bill to yourself in kind of a funny way. Um, but you can do the same thing with bonds. Bonds are the opposite of stocks. Bonds are basically fancy IOUs. Companies, governments, they issue bonds to fund day-to-day operations. Sometimes they issue them, you know, GE wants to uh, invest in a new factory, so they issue bonds. And they know, you know, we need a million dollars for that, so we'll pay you back $1.2 million, um, over 10 years or over five years or over three years. So stocks tend to outperform bonds. Bonds tend to outperform real estate 
You can lose money in bonds. Bonds are not turbocharged CDs. They are something that have a lifespan, an income to them. I'll talk a little bit more about coupons and yields right after the break because we're up against the clock. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Star Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. The Glenn Beck Program coming up at 12 noon. Now, Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Love those trailer park girls. Want to meet some trailer park girls? Go to Reno. Capital of trailer park galore. Many, 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 many trailer park men and women. Many. A veritable plethora of trailer park people. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Dow's down a little bit today. NASDAQ's up a skosh. S&P 500's down a skosh. I don't talk about the, the Dow and the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 and how they're doing on a day-by-day basis because ultimately, I know this is going to shock you, I don't care. It's a shocking statement, right? I don't care about the day-to-day. Now, before we left off, I was talking about bonds. What are they? And it's kind of like an IP, I, IOU. And you don't want to invest all your money in bonds. You don't want to invest all your money in stocks. You don't want to invest all your money in real estate. Those are all three different types of assets. I like them all. Can I put it to you another way? Uh, you don't want to build a baseball team with just, you know, juiced out first baseman. You need some guys who can run around and catch the ball. You need some guys who can pitch the ball. So you don't just build, you know, just one. So in, in the world of bonds, there's like treasuries and government securities that are, you'll get 1% to 2%. That ain't too shabby. 10-year treasuries right now, 3.5%. You own it for 10 years, you get 3.5% each year. Government always pays you that. It's not too shabby. But then you can get 6% by owning like a Verizon. Uh, you can get 7, 8% by owning a Verizon. You can actually get a dividend by owning a Verizon stock of 6%. So you can, I mean, you can get all sorts of money because it's tough to get money right now. Now, big banks are actually lending a lot of money to, to big companies. They're, they're not lending it to small companies. So the best rate of returns are to small companies right now, for instance, as far as bonds go, because it's tough to get them. So you lend money to them. They go out of business. You get nothing back. So bonds are IOUs. Um. Consider tax-free bonds when you are in retirement. If you're in the 28% tax bracket or higher, I like tax-free bonds typically, not always, but typically. I think you want to look at the real rate of return on your bonds. So if interest rates and inflation rise at 3% and you're getting 3% yield, you're kind of a break-even. So that's what I would look for in the world of bonds. There's also a good web page for those of you who want to like figure out what the hell did he just say. It's called Investopedia, investopedia.com, investopedia. Dot com And you can punch in the word bond and it'll tell you it's a debt security and you have to hold it for an obligated, obligated, obligatory time period to pay the interest and to get repaid. So to the maturity. So the interest is the coupon. The interest is the coupon. So if a bond says 3% for 10 years, you get the coupons 3%. So let's go to calls 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Eric and Napa. Eric. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. I love the uh, M&M coming out of break there. This is uh, 
first time caller, and I have a two part 401k question for you. Uh, I'm 29 years old, and I've been keeping everything or most of my holdings internationally with a few uh, medium growth steady eddies here in the States. And I'm wondering, do you think I should start to switch away from international? I kind of get the feeling it's kind of like the housing market. You think international is just going to bust at some point, and I should try something new, or should I stay there? Um, how, old are you? Uh, how old are you? Uh, 29 years old. I personally, if I were 29 years old, I would be thinking about what I'm going to be doing in Vegas this weekend. Um, <laughs> a good trick that someone taught me to impress the ladies is come up with fake business cards before you go to Vegas. So you'll look like a high roller. You can do like, there's a web page that I was just talking about, a company called uh, Move Network. So you can do president and CEO of Move Networks. Girl, go back to her room, Google it, and she'll go, whoa. So come up with fake business cards is my advice on Vegas um, if you're trying to woo the women without spending lots of money. But 29 years old, I'd I'd invest internationally. I'd keep it there, Eric, and I wouldn't really worry about the ups and downs of the market. I'd say 20% if you're conservative, 40% if you're aggressive. Um, I'm still in international markets. I don't care, Eric, if they go down this year next year. I'm going to be buying more um, at cheaper prices. I I much more more worry about how long I'm going to be in the market versus, you know, I see, I see it as I'm in it for another 20 to 30 years. I'm not in it for the next two to three weeks. If that makes any sense, I mean, does, did I appeal to you? Or, I mean, if I were a betting man, do I think international goes down right now? Yeah, I do. So no, if, I think, I think both make sense, and I, and I did like the part about Vegas as well. So yeah. uh, the, 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 the second part of the question is I'm absolutely driven crazy by credit card debt that I've been paying down, but that I accumulated both through college and then just uh, a bad house purchase early on in life. And I'm wondering, I spoke to my 401k guy. He says I can borrow up to 50% of my 401k and then pay myself back an interest. Uh, do you like that as an idea? Uh, I figure paying interest to myself is better than paying interest to my credit card. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? The downside is, is let's say you did that last, last March. You basically borrowed money at a market low, and then you missed a 60% return on the market. So I don't like doing it. I would prefer that you cut out booze. I would prefer that you cut out restaurants. I would prefer that you borrow the money from parents. I would do anything that you can not to tap into the 401k. It's not a piggy bank and stop using it like that. Now you can do it, but I don't recommend you do do it. So again, I would prefer you find other sources first and foremost. And again, maybe that means delivering pizzas. Delivering pizzas ain't so shabby. Ain't so bad. Yeah. You, get to, you get to hang out with people and, get, you know, See some younger workers and get to know the get to know the neighborhoods and the streets. So later in life, you're on top of your game. Thanks for the call, Eric. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Ken and Napa. Ken, hello. Hi, Ken. Hey, how are you? Hey, I got a two part question. One is on um, whether you should abandon a mortgage, and the other is what your take is on reverse mortgages for seniors. But the first question is a friend of my uh, son's here has a house. He has excellent credit. Has a great job, and he bought a house about five years ago for about uh, four hundred thousand. Uh, now he's in a situation interest only when he bought it with no money down. In October, his uh, term is going to come due, and then they're going to adjust his mortgage. And uh, he has renters in the house to help make the payment and everything. But uh, if he sells, if he if he tries to stay in the house right now, he's got about a. If he tried to rent it a six hundred dollar a month negative mortgage, uh, the house is worth about one hundred and seventy five based on other properties that have sold in his uh, complex. It's a condominium, yeah. and uh, so he owes about three hundred. So he bought it for four oh three, and it's worth one seventy five. 
And he's asking me for advice whether he should walk from the mortgage, and he's got no other debt. He's got good credit. He's got a great 401K and so on. So I don't know what to tell this young man. It just seems to me he got stuck, and they won't modify it because he makes too much money. Yeah, if it were me, I would strongly consider walking. Yeah. Now, again, that's with a beer in my hand, in my belly. Right. If if I were to give you the Susie Orman advice, she says, you made a moral obligation. You signed a contract. You better do it. Right. Um, but I, I'm a beer drinker. I'm going to be honest with you. He's never going to get break even on it. He's not going to get a renter in it. It's a crappy old condo in the first place. I hate condos. Right. Now, I like condos in, the, in San Francisco because it's a luxury market. But I hate condos in Stockton or Livermore or Fremont. Um, hate them, hate them, hate them. Well, this uh, is San Diego. Ooh, San Diego's nice. If this is in the ghetto of San Diego. Then that's bad. Yeah. So, um, okay. God, can you imagine spending $400,000 to live in the ghetto? Well, he was a young man just out of college, and he worked himself up quick in his company. As a matter of fact, he's an insurance underwriter. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he just he got stuck. He didn't know enough about it. Yeah. Uh, I told him at the time you should wait for the bubble because it's coming. The big question is, is did he, and this is a good question, did, has he refinanced the loan any? Well, he doesn't, it doesn't come up until October. They won't refinance it oh, uh, because it, he, has, he owes more than what it's worth. Have him Google uh, short selling because in a short sell, if you short sell before 2012, it's better than a foreclosure. Not a lot, but it's better. If you short sell before 2012, you won't get a 1099, and that $225,000 that he's upside down he won't have a 1099, so he won't have to pay it back, and it won't be IRS taxed to him at 33%, where he'd have to pay back you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in taxes because he was forgiven it. It counts as income. But Bush, before he left office, he made it through 2012. If you short sell, as long as he didn't take out another loan on top of his original loan, he could basically short sell, and that's a little bit better than foreclosure. As far as uh, reverse mortgages, Ken, thanks for the call. I think reverse mortgages are appropriate for people who are house rich and cash poor in retirement. Um, I think it's you know some of the the Bay Area people. It's a it's a nice way to hedge. It's a nice way to hedge your income, especially uh, sixty, sixty five, seventy years old. Um, you got a big old house. Start getting into some of the equity in it. Pay yourself. It's tax free. Um, now again, it, it, it there's some cost to it. Like there's transaction cost as well as um, you're pulling equity out of your home. So if you do sell it, there's gonna be less equity for the kitties. There's gonna be less equity for you. But reverse mortgages and Maggie O'Connell, I think, does a great job of explaining the risks, the pros and the cons of reverse mortgages. But uh, let's just put it this way. If I own a million-dollar house I'm and I'm 70 years old, I'm doing a reverse mortgage. Now, you won't be able to get the full million dollars. If I'm eating beanie weenies and all I got is a house, damn well better believe I'm doing a reverse mortgage. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black's show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Ahead at noon, Glenn Beck. Now, Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk along. Stock market closes at roughly one. At roughly one ten today, Cisco Systems will come out with their earnings announcement. And they're a bit of a bellwether. They're a bit of a company that tells us how the whole sector is doing. So I'm going to pay attention. The street's expecting the company's quarterly results to reflect a modest recovery in enterprise spending. Do we get better than modest? Do we get worse than modest? How is IT infrastructure? Will the stock sell off? So unless you beat on the upside, good chance it sells off. 
CEO John Chambers. He'll talk about the macro environment, specifically in relation to, you know, pick up in Indian markets. He'll talk about the United States. He'll talk about Europe. He'll talk about Asia. He'll give us some perspective that you may not own any Cisco, but if he sees a big pickup in Asia, maybe your Asian funds do really well. That makes sense. Does anyone out there get what I'm trying to do? There's companies like Xilinx and Altera and Nettel and Texas Instruments and Nokia and Motorola and Alcatel Lucent and Brocade that will all basically have some sort of play after they report their earnings. To me, at 110 this afternoon, I'm going to be sitting on my butt listening to that call. I'm going to be hearing it. I'm going to be trying to extrapolate something important out of it. It's my Super Bowl. I love earnings season. It's my Jugs magazine. I love earnings. I love financial statements. It relaxes me. It calms me. Go to Robert in Redwood City. Robert? Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm okay. You sounded kind of lonely a little while ago. I was driving home to meet a termite guy. I got termites, so I thought I'd give you a call and say hello. You got termites? Yeah, yeah. Ew. That's not why I'm calling. I wanted to make a comment uh, about the cloud computing, and I think the biggest thing of that, I don't know if you touched on it in between the termite guy and me, was that I have a business in Redwood City with 16 employees, we have the most confidential type of consumer, financial, and medical information. And my biggest issue, and I spend a lot of money doing this, is protecting the data, storing the data, uh, avoiding data corruption, and a host of other IT issues. And with cloud computing, it seems, that alleviates a lot of that. Uh, firewall concerns, obviously, I still need security. But if the data is stored off-site, uh, a lot of that, uh, those concerns are taken away from me. Do you yeah, follow me? I do. Keep in mind, it's 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 not a free business, though. So there's. Going... I understand that. Yeah. I understand that, but it's expensive for me to have a full time IT guy doing this. So it's just uh, it's not just the cost, but the responsibility of maintaining consumer, medical, financial, social security numbers on hundreds of thousands of people. It, you know, I lose sleep sometimes. Absolutely. I, I get clients, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, I no, also no. get clients who, bigger clients, banks, who ask me, what are your catastrophic contingency plans? How are you going to relocate? How are you going to be up and running in 48 hours if there's an earthquake? And the biggest part of it would be the loss of the data or the data security. Without that concern, i just open up a shop and buy some PCs to connect to the Internet. Right. So yeah, you, get, you get what you pay for. Like I use a company called Binary Services. Or binary sciences, and they charge me eight hundred dollars a month for my email and my corporate paperwork, and I mean it's expensive. But it, yeah. and and I'll tell you the the cloud angle on this, Robert. It is nice that they do that, um, but there's also a little bit of a delay. And I always feel like I'm not working in real time when I'm working on something on the internet. It's it's getting better, but it's not real time for me. Well, I think uh, that's my point. Was that uh, that's like you said, that's coming. You know, five, six, ten years, I think what I'm doing now is going to be outdated. You know, backing up on different machines in the office, having a backup drive that I'm taking home. I'm concerned if I stop for <laughs> drinking and I got drunk and I left it there or whatever. You know, I need to protect the data. I need to protect my clients. And, you know, the best way, the most foolproof, it seems, would be to have a, a solid business partner who's backing it up and maintaining the data. And I think that's what's going to happen in the future. I know there's a lot of that now. But I spend a lot of money doing this and more than eight hundred dollars a month. Yeah. So but anyway, that's my comment. And I hope you're feeling better about being so lonely. I was lonely, but now I have Robert and he, he does the same thing that I do where he brings a, a hard drive to the bar and gets sloshed and leaves it I leaves it at the bar. Almost did that. 
but I usually strap it to myself. I'm really, really careful, and I don't even do that anymore. But once upon a time when I was young, you know, and it wasn't just a hard drive. It was, it was a whole kit and caboodle. But anyway, I won't take any more of your valuable time, and I appreciate you taking my phone call. You're the man. Thanks for the call. Bye. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, there's an IPO out there today, and I guess I'm getting a little bit stock markety. It's kind of got a, a money flavor today. But um, there's an IPO out there called Ironwood Pharma. I like watching IPOs because they tell me something about the market. And in this case, it says pharmaceuticals. Poor pricing. Company was supposed to come public this morning around $16 a share. It priced it under 12 So at one point in time, the investment bankers were so excited that the company has so much future, they said $16. Now they're saying 11 and a quarter. Ticker symbols IRWD. Now, there's a shaky IPO market. That's one thing to blame. There's some other weakness in like China Electric Motors. That's an IPO today. CELM. Uh, DACO Energy DQ. Torino Realty, which um, real estate investment trusts that are raising money now, they're able to buy some distressed properties. TRNO. So given the pullback in the stock market, I'm taking a look at this company called Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. It's a development stage company. It's got a promising drug candidate. If they don't get that promising drug candidate done and approved, it's got nothing. So they got phase three trials. It's called, a drug called Lena Clotide. Now, again, I mispronounce drug names aggressively. I know that. You know that. I mispronounce foreign names aggressively. It's financial health and viability over at Ironwood Pharmaceuticals is it's hitched to the success of this drug. So in what it treats, I wish we had a farting sound effect because this is ideal. What linaclotide treats is irritable bowel syndrome, which the company expects, uh, just looking at their data, 35 to 46 million Americans suffer from it. Now, thus far, it's in six phase two and phase three trials, and they've got 2,000 patients. It's shown rapid and sustained improvements on multiple symptoms. Expected to have a final data from phase three trials in the second half of this year. So you buy it and you wait. And you keep your fingers crossed that it gets through that phase three, that no one dies. That no one gets cancer from it. That no one, you know, bad things happen in in these issues. Company stands to make a windfall. Now, how is that? Company ticker symbol, Ironwood, IRWD. It's got a partnership with um, a company called Almiral. Almiral. um, To market the drug in Europe. So... Um, and should they get through regulatory approval, they're going to make $190 million. So boom, just like that. Ticker symbol is IRWD. Is it appropriate for you? Uh-uh. It's appropriate for you to look into and say, why did Rob recommend that? Ah, now I get what he is trying to do. He was trying to teach me something. IPOs show you what the market is demanding and wants. Biotech Pharma right now is hot and sexy. Not a lot of earnings there. A lot of potential earnings. And in an economy right now where it gets a little bit choppy, a little bit dicey, uh, government stimulus money is starting to fade a little bit. You don't necessarily find stocks as easy to pick again. I mean, it was easy in the last year with all this government stimulus thrown in their way. But now you sometimes you have to go, I'm going to go with telephone companies because it's defensive. I'm going to go with utilities because it's defensive. I'm going to go with companies that make more productivity uh, for individuals or, or companies. I'm going to do that because it's predictable in this type of economy. So anyway, Ironwood Pharmaceuticals, IRWD. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. I fly like people get high like planes. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my name. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you wait. I fly like people get high. 
show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. <laughs> Last 10 minutes of the show. God, sometimes the show just gets away from you, doesn't it? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Interesting article in Silicon Alley Insider to the New York Times. And it caught my attention. I was like, hmm, what the hell does that mean? Silicon Alley Insider reports that Google's interest in selling TV ads has waned with U.S. sales boss Tim Armstrong's departure in spring of 2009. Remember, at one point in time, Google was going to do radio ads and they were going to sell commercials for radio spots that were empty. Great googly moogly. And Google kind of said, you know, we're going to get into TV stations and we're going to, you know, we're going to work with a lot of the mom and pops out in the heartland of the United States and we're going to do this. And it just didn't work. But they're coming back towards it. There's a startup in New York now called Visible World. And in the summer of 2009, Google partnered with Visible World to allow advertisers to buy and optimize TV commercials online. So uh, Google, what does that make me think? What does that make me think? When I see that story, Google TV commercials online, buying and selling yeah, you could actually, in this case, for instance, let's say there's Rob Black commercial, um, and I want people in the heartland of Iowa to fear me. So I've got the commercial called Fear Rob Black. Well, Google has this relationship where you can go online and like find that the top 50 radio stations have openings, and they'll slot it for 25 bucks. Like, it'll run, you know how like sometimes you'll hear Sears ads for, you know, Sears repairmen? Like, it's one of the most, they basically say, we'll buy whatever inventory you get for five bucks. So if you don't sell out the show, throw in a Sears commercial for five bucks. We'll slot it in whenever. And it could be on in the middle of the night. It can be on during a KKK clan meeting coverage. I mean, and you don't want your 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 Sears Kenmore repairman advertised during a KKK. That's you just you buy what what opens up. So anyway, um, Google and TV and TV and TV and Google. And I it just I keep my head keeps going back and forth and back and forth on this. And it, it just it continues to tell me on a regular basis, that the future is online media. It's not going away. It's, I mean, duh, <laughs> you know, like, right? It's, 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 is what it is. It's out there. Um, I don't know. I just, I just kind of want you thinking a little bit about that. So I, I kind of want you thinking a little bit about where's the money going? And as an investor, where do you want to be? And there's a lot, a lot of commercial time. A lot of commercial time is going to be online. And we don't really have the facilities to handle that at this point in time. So um, more media, more media online. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. So AOL posted a profit, but subscribers dwindle. Do we care? Well, AOL's publicly traded again. There once was a time where I actually bought shares of AOL and doubled my money in about 60 days. Holy shnikes. Those were the days, right? Um, now I, I go, AOL's publicly traded. <laughs> I don't want to touch that piece of S. Uh, they posted quarterly profit. They beat revenue expectations, weak advertising market, internet companies, dwindling subscriber base, dragged revenue down. Like, I just don't care. Could the, could the stock go up? It absolutely could. Will I miss it? I absolutely will because I just don't care. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's take a look at, um... Some other stories that are out there. Uh, Wall Street reform, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you keep hearing about President Barack Obama, uh, proposals to tax and curb the activities of Wall Street, unpredictable info on financial regulatory reform. 
that's cost companies like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan to get weak. And I use that as an opportunity to buy. I like Goldman Sachs enormously. Anytime that stock drops 10 to 20%, I'm a buyer. I like buying it on sale. It's like your favorite uh, pair of Manola Blahniks on sale. Woo! I'm picking it up. Or for instance, if you go to CVS, you can get a 12-pack of Pacifico, my favorite beer, for $12.99. If you go to 7-Eleven or the grocery store, it's $15.99, $16.99, $17.99. So every time I go into CVS, I'm like, woo, 12-pack of Pacifico. Thank you very much. Um, It's on sale in my mind. So anytime Goldman Sachs, it's a premium company. Anytime it drops 10 20%, buy it. It's on sale. Now, speaking of on sale, great Googler Moogler. Walmart is going to, for some reason, I just love that guy's voice. Walmart's going to um, get an upgrade today. $62 price target. Um, I still think we have unemployment problems in the United States. I don't think that goes away anytime soon. And as long as it's there, people are going to shop at Walmart. Now, when we when the economy hits 4% unemployment, we're going to go, oh, I don't shop at Walmart. I would never go there. Um, pass me the gray poupon, my man. But when the economy is bad, hell yeah. Get some Halloween candy at Walmart. Not a problem. That's the whole idea. Slow consumer. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say, this is the first time you've heard this out there. Slow consumer 2010 to 2019 decade. I think it's going to be a very slow consumer. I think there's been a lot of damage done to the consumer. I think Walmart has a play. Let's go to Tony in Redwood City. Tony? What's up, Rob? Not too much, Tony. How are you? Good. I'm all right. Good so I'm hear. in a CalPERS 457 plan. Okay. And I have, uh, let's see, 50% and uh, aggressive asset allocation, 25% in uh, S&P index. Okay. And uh, 25% in small mid cap. What else do you have offered to you? Pardon me? What else do you have offered to you? Um, I got uh, small mid cap value, uh, small mid cap growth. Um, I, got, I got quite a, quite a bit, I think. Okay. Um, so I've been in that like for five years. So I don't know if I should switch it up. And if so, yeah, here's here's my angle, and there's a tic-tac-toe box. It's called a style box in investing, and basically on the three-axis or the three, you know, the vertical, it's um, small, mid, large, and on the horizontal, it's growth, value, and blended, and you want to kind of represent a little bit of each, so you want a large-cap value, a large-cap growth, a mid-cap value, a mid-cap growth, small-cap value, small-cap growth, and if you don't want six, you just go with a large-cap blend, mid-cap blend, small-cap blend. Now, I'd say 20% in each of those is an appropriate starting point. That only comes up to 60%. So 10% you know, small cap growth, 10% small cap value, uh, or 20% small cap blend. So where does the other 40 go? I like it to go international and some sort of income. So in your options, you need to find out what are your options. You're looking for something. I don't like the word aggressive, and I don't know what the CalPERS aggressive fund looks like. I don't know what that means. Maybe that's international, and maybe you're, you know, you're fine with your international. Uh, maybe aggressive means nanotechnology, where I'm like, nanotechnology is so 1998, and no one ever made money at it. Um, so I don't really know what the aggressive means. I don't like the word aggressive, Tony. My aggressive money goes to Vegas, and I lose. So, and I know that. So I don't like the word aggressive when it comes to saving for my retirement. So I, I like a blended approach 
on growth and value or a growth fund and a value fund. I like it large. I like it small. I like it mid. So it's kind of like, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was trying to come up with a, an example on women, but maybe like 160 pound or 140 pound or 120 pounder where we're like, hey, um, they're different sized women and they're beautiful all the same. So invest in them. Um, and then you can get, you know, a woman that's not from Iowa. So she's got a little color on her skin. She's Italian. And you go, ooh, I like Italian women too. Um, and then you can get the safety, you know, the, the, the woman who's a, a good saver. And that, that'll be your income. So I would look at it as you love the world. You love everything and buy a little bit of each, um, Tony. And I don't like, aggr- I don't like aggressive. So that's like saying, let's date a crazy girl. Uh-uh. Uh, no. been, there, done, been there, done that too many yeah. times in my life. So thanks for the call. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you. Sure. Um, I hope that made sense. And yes, I know some of my analogies are incredibly sexist. Um, I know that. And I work with Heidi and she's sometimes my internal editor and she's like, don't sit, don't go there, don't go there. But when I said I love them all, she's like, ah, I get it. Ah, good, good, good. You saved yourself. Um, and I apologize. You know, I, I know that some of my analogies aren't the best, but I'm not going to change who I am just because I do a radio show. It's an analogy that I can market to the community and people will understand what the hell I'm talking about. Um, textbook companies. This is kind of interesting. They, the textbook for speaking with job textbook textbook firms have an inked an e deal for the iPad. Okay. What the hell does this mean? So again, you think of Apple as a computer company, right? Your Macintosh computer. You think of them as a music company. Your iPod and iTunes, you buy your music, it's stored, and you can, you know, use it when you want to. Yay. You kind of think of Apple as a phone company now, right? Uh, they sell hardware for, they sell cell phones. Now, it, this whole iPad thing, major textbook publishers have struck deals with software companies, Scroll Motion, to adapt their textbooks for the electronic page. As the industry embraces a hope that digital devices such as Apple's iPad will transform the classroom. So McGraw-Hill, Pearson... The Washington Post, Kaplan, they love this iPad. Do you know why? <laughs> no used books. No used books. So the book gets bought once, full price, premium price. Book gets bought a second time, full price, premium price. When the student's done with it, he deletes it. Done. Over. He doesn't sell it to another person. He doesn't have that digital rights to do that. Very, very interesting. The And again, Holy mackerel. Would I want to be one of those companies that buys used books and sells them? Uh-uh. If we move to an e-reader nation, suddenly we're not reading the paperbacks. And again, we're going to do that for sure. I mean, we're not going to an e-reader nation overnight. But you can see how some businesses are going to get totally wiped out. And some businesses are going to totally thrive. You know college campuses are going to have the e-readers everywhere because kids like technology. They're early adapters. They, they buy the stuff so you and I later in our life will buy it at a cheaper price. So textbooks... You can publicly buy companies like McGraw-Hill. Now, that brings up another question. For instance, let's say you like Stephen King. The new Stephen King book's out, right? The publisher doesn't make money when you sell it used. Once, twice, three, four, five times. Sometimes books pass hands three, four, five times. The publisher doesn't make money when you go, here's my favorite book, and you give it to your your buddy Heidi. And you're going to love this book. For instance, um, I love the Depth of Trilogy. I wish I can give you a copy of it, but I have it on my e-reader. Sorry, you got to go buy your own. So there's going to be some opportunity for publishers to do pretty well here. I hope it makes sense to you. Uh, I'm all done for the day. I'll be back in 22 hours. Don't you fret. Don't you worry. Me loves you. 800-345-5639. If you want to get on your calls on air and wait 22 hours, do it. Talk to you soon.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.